All right. I'm warning you right now. My parents are seriously wacko. Yeah, mine too. Don't worry about it. No, mine are mental, okay? Um, okay. They're looking for a reason to sell my gremlin. They are? God, they're such cheap bastards. But my Aunt Kathy gave me this car, and it's mine. Right. My Aunt Kathy was so rad. She lived in L.A. She was on Kojak. She doinked Ryan O'Neal once at a party. Wow. She sounds awesome. Yeah, well, she's dead. She OD'd on coke. So you see, there's a lot riding on this dinner. I can't lose my car. You get it? I don't know if I do. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 214, Freaks and Geeks, season one, episode four, <laughs> Kim Kelly is my friend. Another one that seems like Freaks and Geeks had to be on the list going back to the very early days of the show. Yeah, there was a, like a, a moment where it. I tried to do some research for an episode that we were going to do, and then I, it just became too overwhelming, because at first I was thinking we were going to do the whole 18-episode oh, run yeah. or something, and then you sort of lose interest, and it's like, ah, we're not going to do it. This now it feels sh- like we can do it. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels like it. It, it. This is a show that both you and I watched while it was airing, which kind of seems like, oh, we're part of that crowd but i can't say super not cool for me i watched this show with my mom i can remember what year did it air 99 and 2000 i was in middle school heading into high school yeah they definitely made it hard to watch and hard to follow the episodes did not necessarily air in sequential order and nbc didn't air all of the episodes and it was a huge mess and this episode that we're doing on this podcast today is one that never aired on NBC, and it didn't premiere until the show right. moved to Fox Family the next year. That's so weird. That, that is such a relic of network television, like something that would just happen. Episodes just being pulled out or things airing out of order. Didn't that just seem like it, it happened from time to time? And you'd always kind of know because you'd watch something, and you're like, did I miss this whole character yeah. development thing? Like, why are these two friends now? Well, part of it is that back then the serialized drama phenomenon that would sort of usher in the golden age of television hadn't really happened yet. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't as common for shows to connect as tightly from one episode to the next. The episodes were much more standalone for most shows, I think. That's right. And even this show, Freaks and Geeks, I think it did a pretty decent job of having an ongoing storyline, but you can pick out basically any episode and just watch it self-contained. That's true, yeah. Which sort of made doing it for this podcast easier, I think. 
Yeah. I wanted to do an episode closer to the beginning, just so that we could sort of set up the show a little bit. I didn't want to go too deep in case we wanted to return to this show someday. But it's been a long time since we did a one-off episode That's true. of TV. I think it's over a year since we did that episode of The Sopranos. Yeah, this show, obviously, this is one of those shows that's kind of, as the years have gone on, people have always referenced it. It was kind of like a cool show to, in the years it was off the air, especially heading into like the, the rise of Apatow. You know what I mean? In those years in between, you just would meet people that, Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, had, I, it was like an instant cult classic right, type right. thing. It feels like the community where like Twitter and social media were always able to like breathe life back into it. Where if Freaks and Geeks aired during the social media era, you feel like there would have been a lot more outcry or at least like a, a little bit more visible outcry because it does seem like it had a lot of fans. It's true, but there were less options then. So I don't know if it would have the same audience now necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And it does seem like a show that would now have to exist on a streaming service. I think the closest sure. comparisons would be stuff that you would find on Netflix or Hulu. I definitely think Everything Sucks, which only lasted one season on Netflix, is probably like a close comparison that took yeah. place during the 90s. was canceled immediately, though. So things haven't really changed well, in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can remember having a, a friend of mine who also liked Freaks and Geeks. And during that era, before streaming, <laughs> you're just like, if the DVD release doesn't happen, it's just like you can never find this stuff. It's yeah, I think like, it took a, a petition to get a DVD release. And then yeah. I think Shout did it originally back in like 2005 or something. Yeah, that sounds know. about right. But l- leading up to that, it's just like this this thing that like you can't find anywhere. But I can remember when Knocked Up came out, that this friend of mine went and saw it and was like, there's four people from Freaks and Geeks in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, I'm definitely not seeing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough. So before we talk about this specific episode of Freaks and Geeks, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod, where you can request a sticker from us and we will send it to yeah. you for free. I sent some out this week. All right. You can... Send us a listener request if you are so inclined, and we may or may not do it. As we've mentioned other times, it's probably best to send a few choices just in case. That's right. You also want to make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts to the show. We would like a rating and review from you if you have the time on there as well. That would be great. Or you can find us on Podbean if you're hooked up with that app. I think Podbean has an app now. I'm sure we're on some other stuff as well. Yeah, we're out there. Just take a look. What else? Um, <laughs> I have a, a shout out to you. People were really liking the joke you made about me posting my beer cans on Instagram. and It was a sick burn. Yeah, I think people are like, wow, that <laughs> that's so real. <laughs> the big thing these days with The Greatest Moments is Letterboxd. You can follow me on there at Zach1983 or Matt. Crosby, yeah. who has more followers than me, which is infuriating <laughs> since this was my idea. Well, we're still trying to you know, get that community going on there. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might have run its course for me. I'm, I'm a little tired of writing we've, reviews to get two likes. Our letterbox phase is we've already gone from the lake and now we're in the back to the lake phase of the relationship. No, I'm going to keep doing it, but it's... 
it's losing some of its appeal to me. Yeah. There's only so many terrible reviews I can look at. Well, you have a way of taking something and just sucking all of the joy out of it. <laughs> you just can't do something over time and let it have like a normal course. You're like, oh, this letterbox thing. Let me try to watch like a thousand movies. <laughs> I burn bright and hot, yeah. but not for very long. That's true. That's yeah. just the way it is. Right. Yeah, this week, I think my favorite reviews that I wrote were for Sliver, the 1993 Sharon Stone movie, and Wild River, which came out in 1960. Both of those reviews, I put together nice little funny things. You know, didn't really get as much traction as I wanted. Not as much buzz. (laughs) You know, people do have jobs, though. It's hard for them to follow every review. Well, that's okay. Yeah. So let's jump into it. Freaks and Geeks, for those of you not familiar, we'll sort of cover the setup of the show and what's all going on with it before we do this specific episode, which was entitled Kim Kelly is my friend. The show was created by Paul Feig. This episode was written by Mike White, who makes an appearance in it. Oh yeah. And it was directed by Leslie Linka Gladder, who basically has directed episodes of almost any TV show you can think of over the last 30 years, including Twin Peaks and Mad Men and, some of my True favorites. Blood and the yeah. OC. Wow, Lots all my favorite shows. We've done on yeah. this podcast. As mentioned, this episode did not air in the original run. It was sort of tricky to nail down exactly when it did originally air on Fox Family. I think IMDb had April 30th of 2000, yeah. but Wikipedia had like September 15th of 2000, so I, I don't know. And I can't tell if I'm just like putting this memory in my head now because I know that, but I kind of feel like I can remember thinking to myself that I don't know why these two female characters are friends now. Because this episode didn't happen, but... Yeah, this episode is pretty important. NBC didn't want to air it. It felt like the home life of the character of Kim Kelly was just a little bit too much of a downer. I don't really know why. I guess they thought like this was a show meant for kids. I'm like, why is know. Lindsay friends with Kim now? She's a bully. It seems crazy that NBC just didn't want to air this one because I think it's actually a hilarious episode. I, I do too, and I have to say, pretty tame. I, I don't see anything wild. I will say, the domestic violence in the kitchen was actually kind of shocking. That it, oh, you it mean feels... like the part where she's slapping? Yeah, yeah. It's more intense than I, I think. Would it was more it. the thing with her parents. I think so too, but yeah, I don't think it was that that was the reason, or at least it doesn't seem to be the reason that was cited. But I, I was kind of taken aback a little bit by it. It was a pretty intense moment. Yeah, there's a For, raw energy to this episode, which I found to be yeah. kind of fun and exhilarating. Because even though it's not a sitcom, there's definitely like a lightness to the energy of it that's sitcom-esque at times. Yeah, I would describe it as a dramedy. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely meant to be funny a lot of the time, but there's a lot of drama and serious stuff infused into it. Freaks and Geeks was created by Paul Feig, as I mentioned, who has now become a little bit more famous as a director. He directed Bridesmaids and the Ghostbusters reboot, which everyone hates, and (laughs) Spy. Oh, oh, you wouldn't tell by the reviews. And The Heat, which I loved. I'm kind of shocked that they didn't jump on The Heat as the thing to put over. And that got like pretty mediocre to bad reviews. I thought The Heat was hilarious with McCarthy and Bullock. Yeah. 
I never actually saw the Ghostbusters reboot, so I can't really comment. Uh, he directed that. And vice versa. I, I didn't see the heat, but I did not like the Ghostbusters reboot. He directed that movie with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. What was that called? A Simple Favor? Oh, I did see that. that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, we saw that together. Yeah. <laughs> it was decent. It's okay, but it was fun. He's a director who primarily works with female leads. That seems to be his M.O. He did that movie also with Amelia Clark, that Christmas one. Oh, that's right. Which people seem to know. Oh, like. yeah. He brought the project to Judd Apatow, who seemed to have like a deal with NBC at the time to develop and executive produce. I know it is one of those things that I feel like as time has gone on, people think of this as an Apatow. Like his like name's his all baby. over it, but yeah, Feig, it's really Paul Feig. It's his the, creation. He wrote a lot of yeah. it, and then they would bring in other writers and directors. I'm sure Apatow had a lot to do with oh, it. Oh, sure, sure. In fact, the stuff like in the early episodes with. Sam being such a Steve Martin and Bill Murray fan, which I'm sure wasn't unique to <laughs> certain kids from that time period. But I, I just know that listening to Apatown interviews over the, the years, he talked about that him in high school was such a, he just like idolized those guys. Jake Kasdan also directed a lot of episodes. He would go on to direct a lot of movies, including now a lot of projects with The Rock, including both Jumanji movies and then some upcoming one that he's also in. His first well, no, it's not his. He actually directed a movie in the '90s with Ben Stiller. I can't remember the name of it, but his first like notable movie that he directed was Orange County. Oh yeah, which had Jack Black and Colin Hanks. Yeah, he, who are both in Jumanji. Lawrence Kasdan's son, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, not quite the career of his dad, I would say. That's no, but he's now time. hitting that mainstream appeal oh, going yeah. on with these Jumanji things. And then Mike White, who wrote this episode, he also wrote and directed a lot of different stuff. I think he wrote School of Rock, which also starred Jack Black. He's now doing a, I believe it's him. I'll have, if, if I'm wrong, I'll take this out. You know, if I'm right, I'll leave it in. <laughs> He's the one doing the new HBO miniseries that has Alexander Daddario and Sidney Sweeney, the two hottest chicks maybe of all time. Wow, yeah. You throw Ana de Armas into this miniseries, I think my head would explode. <laughs> well, we wouldn't <laughs> want that. Yeah, I just like following both of those ladies on Instagram, seeing all seem... of their Hawaii photos together. And yeah, stuff. yeah, it does seem like their hangouts are pretty cool. <laughs> a lot of Hawaiian action going on with those two yeah, that yeah. I'm just like, hopefully this miniseries lives up to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called like The White Lotus or something. I don't know. It's just like, what a weird day where like so much of your day revolves around like just sunbathing and like just taking... being a hot chick. Yeah, taking photos of yourself sunbathing. <laughs> Imagine if I did that. Yeah, it would people be quite would a sight. People across yeah. the country. <laughs> For some reason, people across the country are seeing it because it goes viral. <laughs> Demented pig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> takes pictures of himself. <laughs> Horrifies nation. <laughs> Freaks and Geeks is notable for its realistic high school experience or the depiction of one where oh yeah, the characters are not cool. They often don't win in the end. No. And it's much more reality-based, which was a problem yeah. for the network, and it led to a lot of clashes with NBC. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of high school material out there and movies and shows. I feel like this is one of the most realistic or, or like relatable versions of it. I feel like they really hit it right on the head. I mean, the Lindsay character, even just this whole move of I've been this nerd mathlete success, and I just... This is not the life I want to lead. I see these. I see Franco over there, and I'm I like, need to this make a change." Seems like a cool crowd. I'm gonna throw on a green jacket and introduce my new attitude. Yeah, 
turn heel. Yeah. If you will. That's right. I kind of think Say by the Bell was probably the most realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. For me. Yeah, a lot of Zach Morris type, <laughs> you know, people freezing time. So obviously, this show was canceled after one season. There are only 18 episodes, which nowadays, 18 hour long episodes, that's basically three seasons yeah, exactly. for some shows right. now. But whatever, it was canceled because it only had less than 7 million viewers, which again would probably be a lot now. But the top NBC shows were doing well over double that. It was like, for the year 99 to 2000, it was the 93rd ranked TV show. It was not a highly rated show, mostly due to the erratic scheduling and the poor time slots and airing episodes out of order and randomly. It just... <laughs> I know. It's just there was like, a new president that came in. You know how it is. Really not doing a lot of favors for this show at all. Like The this. head of programming switches. They don't like this project. They don't care. Yeah, they yeah. just want to dump it out and get rid of it, and that's it. It happens over and over all the time. Yep. It's a stupid world to be involved in. It must suck. Network television. To dedicate your life and everything. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all entertainment-based stuff yeah. where you are considering yourself an artist. You're oh, like, yeah. I'm writing something that's meaningful to me it's funny it's real it's great you dedicate your life to this thing and it just gets fucked with to the point where it's here and gone and no oh, one I cares know. and it's like why did i even bother but at least with netflix and some of these streaming services that came along it seems like a, a way more belief in the project and the people doing the things i, I don't know they cancel like a lot of shit yeah okay I think they just throw a bunch of shit to the wall and see what sticks because they have so much money. Yeah, well, Netflix is getting worse now, but I think, yeah, you know, that was there. And I think with some of the other streaming services, you see it. You know, I, I think that there's some investing in, in projects going on and just trying to keep them going. But it's also hard to – I don't know how they justify, like, what they keep versus what they cancel. I'm sure it's based on how many Views. people watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I solved it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, quick? we figured it out. Yeah. Of course, because the show was so good, it was critically acclaimed, it was nominated for awards, and it had a small but very loyal fan base, it then developed a cult following and has earned endless accolades ever since, frequently being on different publications, lists of the top TV shows of all time, and all of that stuff. I do think that, from a certain perspective, you could say that the praise is a little overblown, I think it's a really good show, and I think it had a lot of potential if it could have gone on for maybe a, another yeah. season or two to really like push the envelope further and see what developed. I think to say that something that aired only one season is among the greatest shows of all time is a little strange, well, but yeah. then again, I love Twin Peaks. I know, I know, but I also feel like they don't quite have the full picture like storytelling. Like I think they capture the vibe that they're going for like perfectly that feel of being like a, a person in high school, they're able to present it in, in such a perfect way, but I'm not living and dying with the stories episode to episode. Yeah. I think you're probably looking for a little bit more connectivity. Yeah. A little more cliffhanger. Right. Action. Yeah. Maybe like a twin peaks, which is like sort of an early show that brought up the idea. Lindsay of like gets a soap murdered. Opera. No, just to, to have a yeah, reason yeah. To, to need to tune in to the next so, episode. like, get into things a little What bit. happens yeah. next in this story? Right. It, do, it never quite feels like that. They're all very self-contained yeah. for the most part. The general idea of her joining this new group of friends continues on, but 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you could just turn on any individual episode and you're not going to really be lost. Right, uh, yeah. Contrary to what you said about why she's friends with Kim, that is like one little detail. The Kim character, this episode is important for that character. Yeah, yeah. But in general, you're not going to be too confused if you miss an episode. One standalone episode that I think is like a perfect, almost short film is the Garage Door episode where the Neil character... Thinks his dad is having the affair, or his dad is having the affair, and so he finds that garage door opener, and the three of them go checking all the houses to see which one it opens, and that whole thing. That's like a short film of an episode. It's perfect, but it it doesn't connect to anything else. It's like, do you even really see Neil's dad again? I don't know. No, yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, I love in this episode where Bill has to pick who the biggest geek is between... Yeah, Neil. I mean, it's insane to me that he would pick Sam. It's just Sam looks like a bigger geek, but, but Neil, yeah, Neil is. Uh, there's nobody a bigger of a geek than Neil. And, uh, yeah, in I the agree. universe, it's like so weird that like Sam Levine is in a Tarantino movie. Yeah, like I, the fact that he's able to put that on his resume. <laughs> I mean, good for him, but he does. Just well, everybody like in this geek. show really went on to great stuff. Oh, I know that is the crazy thing about watching for the it. most part. Yeah. In this episode, right out of the gate, Rashida Jones, you're like, this is the first appearance of Karen from The Office. <laughs> yeah, the name Karen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's run through it. We got Linda Cardellini. We have John Francis Daly, who has gone on to have a pretty big career as a writer-director. He wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, and oh, he wow. directed Vacation that. Reboot. Okay. Different stuff. He seems to be in the comedy world. I also think he was on Bones for yeah, a he was on. Yeah, I was going to say, he acted definitely on a TV show for a while. James Franco, Seth Rogen, Jason Siegel, Martin Starr, Sam Levine, Busy Phillips, etc. Plus, we got Squints. That's right. From the Sandlot yeah. is like the bully. Which, yeah. Goldberg. Kind of jarring. Yeah. Before he was addicted to meth. Thank God he seems like he's sober now. I think it's been almost a year. He seems to look normal again. It was a rough road for Goldberg. I don't yeah, know if you I haven't saw seen the him pictures. Lately, no. Ben Foster. Don't think we need to talk about his character. Yeah, inappropriate. Might, might not age well. Lizzie Kaplan, Tom Wilson, a.k.a. Biff from That's Back right. to the Future. Yeah, it's a gym teacher. Rashida Jones, Dave Koechner, David Crumholtz, Shia LaBeouf, Leslie Mann, Ben Stiller, and Jason Schwartzman. So I guess a lot of the people you would expect from this time period, too. A special shout-out to Jessica Campbell, who recently passed away. She's in two episodes. She plays Seth Rogen's love interest. She's great. She's most famous for playing Tammy Metzler in Election. Oh, yeah. She's only 38. The cause of death as of yet unknown or at least unrevealed. That is a bummer. Yeah. I thought she was really great in Election. I think her character in this is funny, too. She just immediately is, like, giving shit to Seth Rogen in, like, a very funny way. Yeah. Watching this show back in 99 just never – I mean – would you have thought Seth Rogen would have ended up being in like a million movies? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, and like going back and watching it now, I, do you? I, are you feeling like you're seeing the spark there? I mean, his character is. I mean, he's funny. He's very dry though. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like his characters that he would play later, like at all. Yeah, yeah. It feels like his character that he plays in Donnie Darko. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Just an asshole. Right. Yeah, you can definitely tell that Franco has like that James Dean thing going. And oh yeah, he's probably gonna break out. He just—he seems cool. He seems like too cool for this show. 
Yeah, he seems like he's got like a movie star thing. Linda Cardellini, who is actually older than everyone else on the show, even though she seems younger. I know it's nuts that she's like in her almost like mid twenties. Yeah, she's like twenty four ish at the time. She is so beautiful that it's almost <laughs> hard to even deal with it. I just don't even know what to do with Every myself. Episode of the show. <laughs> <laughs> she's the hottest chick we've ever had up here. <laughs> It is a little weird that this group is not just like, yeah, she's a part of our group now immediately because this is the hottest know, they, thing we've ever seen. It does really. It's, it's a long initiation period to let her be an official member of the group, a dues paying member. Well, yeah, I mean, she does like make out with Nick and then it's just like, yeah, I guess she has to be accepted and that whole thing. But I just feel like they would all be in love with her. I feel like she'd be very popular. She's just very beautiful. And she, like we said, she's. 24 She's that, and, and, you know, the Lindsay character is actually like, such a great person she like tries to be friends with everybody she's always being nice she has like the best moral compass of like any high schooler i've what about millie yeah well millie's yeah <laughs> poor millie yeah millie is you do you relate to the millie situation i think we've all left a millie behind in well our yeah it's always sadder though right. when it's girls for some reason yeah you know what i mean yeah I always feel like, I don't know, guys deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel for the boy Millies I left behind in my life, I don't think they deserved it. (laughs) I was just like, see ya, you're not cool enough. Oh. I love how you were telling people they weren't cool. (laughs) Yeah, I know. How uncool That's what I'm saying, yeah. How sad of a life was that person living? The focus of Freaks and Geeks is mainly on the weir siblings. We have older sister Lindsay, played by Cardellini, and younger brother Sam played by John Francis Daly, as they attend William McKinley High School during the 1980-81 to 81 school year. So this is happening concurrently with Joker. Same universe, probably. That's right. They live in the fictional town of Chippewa, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. Lindsay joins a new group of friends, sometimes referred to as Freaks. We have Daniel, played by Franco, Ken, played by Rogan, Nick, played by Siegel, and Kim, played by Busy Phillips. While Sam and his friends are the geeks, Neil, Sam Levine, and Bill Martin Starr, the Weir parents are fixtures, plus Lindsay's nerdy former best friend, the uber-religious Millie, and there's also Cindy Sanders, the friendly but also very popular cheerleader, whom Sam would die for in a heartbeat if only she asked. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think we can all kind of relate sure to thing. that relationship. She's always kind of leaving that door open. Oh, yeah. But isn't there an age, though, where it seems like girls are leaving the door open, but it's probably because they, they don't, just don't think of you as a sexual yeah, that's true. option at they, all? Well, and they haven't reached that point where they're, they're like, oh, I should close this door. <laughs> I need to close that Eventually door, Eventually, that it becomes just obvious to everyone. People just start reminding them. You know that by talking to this dude, you're giving him a glimmer of hope. <laughs> She's like, what? I am? All right, let me close that door. (laughs) Like kicking his head back out. That's right, yeah. Lindsay is trying desperately to shed her reputation as a brainy goody two-shoes, a star mathlete. I know. It is weird. Being smart and building a path to success is just such a horrific thing. And become a rebel accepted by the slackers and burnouts that she thinks are cool. Her relationships with her new friends and all of the friction they cause with her parents and herself and at school form one central strand of the show, Sam and his friends existing in a completely different part of the high school social universe. What a form the other fleeting thing that 
being a stoner is cool. That really, like, <laughs> you know, runs out of gas at a certain point. Yeah, well, there are points in different episodes where Lindsay, I think she eventually does experiment with drugs, but at first she's very adamant about not smoking weed, even though she wants to be friends with these people. So I don't really think that's the appeal for oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. It's she just, just think they're cool and rebellious, yeah, yeah. and she has a crush on Daniel. Right. And then has to, like, settle for, for Nick. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I love the early episode where they have a party at the Weir House. Do you yeah, know what I'm yeah. talking about? And then they're outside. That's the second episode, yeah. And Nick just like starts trying to take her bra off. Oh. That is like, whoa, a cringe moment. Yeah. Because she's like, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> if you were Neil and Bill, like, how would you like just never get over Lindsay? I think they make a point to have Neil be yeah. very much in love with she's her. She's nice to both of them, though. I feel like at I mean, that age, what if you're Sam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hell sister. that he's living in. It's tough. So let's get into this episode. I think we can bring up other memories from the show as we go if, sure. if different things come up. This episode's sort of a strange one to pick. I thought it was hilarious. I just started watching a bunch of them, and I'm like, this might be a fun one to do. But when I went back to do the notes and stuff, I realized that Seth Rogen is not even in it. I know. Jason Segel and he's like is so, barely in it. When they do the cast at the beginning, Seth Rogen's like so high up on the billing, but not I even... Fe- well, It might be random. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. It could be. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just was the one that jumped out to me. I think in recent years, there's been this decision that got made by some people that busy phillips is like a bigger deal than she really is i mean her show was canceled very quickly as a talk show i'm not trying to shit on her i just don't really know what though she's never really been in much i just feel like i mostly remember her playing this character in multiple shows (laughs) i did watch somehow more than two seasons of cougar town which she's in okay (laughs) i don't really know what i was doing at the time the busy phillips character yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> basically. Right. It's basically I Courtney mean, think... Cox, Busy Phillips, and the chick from Scrubs slash Drew Carey running oh, yeah. around. I mean, for me, uh, it was this, and then she was on Dawson's Creek for a while, too. I- I'm like, how long is this chick going to play a high schooler? This wouldn't have been that I, yeah, much I don't, before and I, Dawson's Creek. And she Creek. probably wasn't in, the, the character probably wasn't in high school on Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I wasn't I a big Creek head if... If people remember from us doing a Dawson's Creek episode, I never really watched it much. Yeah, well, I mean, I only ever watched, like, the first... Unimportant. (laughs) As I go on to say, like, six seasons. (laughs) So this episode, Kim Kelly is My Friend, features what I believed to be a one-off character with Karen Scarfoli, because this is the only episode Rashida Jones appears in. However, I did find out that the Karen character is a part of the pilot, but it's played by somebody else. Oh, wow. So I didn't really realize that. It was not a name I recognized, so it's not really important. Karen is tangentially connected to the Freaks gang, evidently. This is the only time we ever see her, really. But Yeah, well, after this incident... Oh, yeah, she, she... had to transfer. Yeah, right. <laughs> out of fear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's just been dumped by her boyfriend, so she's in quite the mood. And when Daniel finds out, franco's character he makes a joke about taking her for a test drive right in front of his girlfriend kim <laughs> not into it who yeah. no she laughs well and then she's like daniel and i'm like Ugh. this is sort of the perfect depiction of a 
unhealthy, toxic high school relationship in a lot of ways because yeah. she constantly forgives him and right. blames everybody else for everything, even though he basically just says what he's going to do and then proceeds to do it, and then she acts caught off guard by this. Yeah, it seems like a fluid situation, this relationship. <laughs> In the, the earlier episode, she does this. I mean, she's been kind of a, a bully to Sam. And yeah. it, it does. I, I can't say I specifically remember being bullied by girls, but it feels <laughs> like it was very possible that it happened. And I've just blacked it out. I definitely didn't really have to deal with that because I was always very tall. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not have that luxury. I was very skinny, like disturbingly so, but <laughs> not tall, though. So, or I mean, not yeah. short, though. Right. So. You know, most girls I don't think would have ventured into that. There even was definitely girls ones. that were taller than me. I, probably ones that could choke slam me. <laughs> and they were only in elementary school. Yeah, that's when right. You were in high school. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more humiliating. One of the things I like that they do occasionally on the show, and they start the very first episode of the show this way, the pilot, where they show the idealized high school kids for a minute. That's right. The traditional show, and they do that here for a second. Where they have that like jock looking guy talking to a cheerleader and he's like showing yeah. his muscles. And they're the on the bleachers. Well, that's the first episode. In yeah. this one, they're just standing by the locker and he unintentionally like hits Sam in the oh, stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost worse how far the guy goes to apologize instead right. of just being a dick and a bully because then he's like, Oh, sorry about that little guy. Did I hurt you, little guy? <laughs> you know, he's like treating him like a baby in front of that cheerleader and it's like so emasculating. Yeah. So it's a rough day for Sam. He can't get into his locker only to realize it's not actually his locker. It belongs to Karen. Classic mix-up. Who we already know is on the warpath. Why would Sam's locker be next to Karen? Does it make sense, a senior and a freshman? Well, that's one of my questions. Are the freaks supposed to be seniors? It doesn't seem like anyone's older than them, but I wasn't really sure. I, don't, I mean, they drive. I guess true. you could be a junior, but... Yeah. It makes sense just because they don't really focus on anybody that seems older than them, but... At the same time, I don't really know. Yeah, I would agree. And is it wise to do season one with your kids being seniors? Because then it's like, well, what do you do for season two? Yeah, only one of those kids goes to college. <laughs> I think we know which one. What are you doing? That's my locker. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, th I thought it was mine. See? This is mine. I just got hit in the solar plexus, so I'm a little out of it. Yeah, I don't want to hear your life story, okay? I want you to move your ass. Hey, Karen. Is this guy trying to break into your locker? No. No, I was just confused. Yeah, I thought it was my locker. Yeah, you are very confused, Pee Wee. Are you sure you're even in the right school? How old are you? Fourteen. You can't be 14, midget. You haven't even hit puberty. Good. I knew it. You don't even have hair in your pits. Come on, Karen, let's go. You swear you're 14? And you're a geek. This is your locker? There. Now you'll always know which one's yours and which one's mine. Okay, geek? You don't have hair in your pits? Kim, who is friends with Karen, eggs on her friend to bully Sam 
And there's nothing worse than getting bullied by an older girl. She's calling him Pee-wee Midget. She's saying he hasn't hit puberty yet. Oh, I know. It goes as far to pull his shirt up to <laughs> prove that he doesn't have armpit hair. Just a wild move. <laughs> just like, holy shit. And I love that Neil and Bill are just standing there. Yeah, I know. Just don't know what to do. Frozen wh- like statues. Yeah, it is one of those situations where even as a 37-year-old man... I what really you, don't know what the answer is. Yeah. What, what is he supposed to do really? in this moment? <laughs> he just turns up and he's like, well, thanks for having my back, guys. Like, what, what would happen if he slapped her across the face? Uh, well, Number wow, one. I would be stunned. The two of them would beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And then he would be blamed and kicked out of school. Right. There's nothing to do. Uh, yeah. You have to just let it happen. I mean, I guess you have to, like, try to physically overpower her, which he can't, to, like, hold her <laughs> arms yeah. away from lifting your shirt up, but... He wouldn't be able to do that. So then it's like, well, are his friends supposed to get involved? That's what's so great about right. writing this situation. Because I think everybody who's ever been bullied or had to deal with a bully or had to deal with even a one-off rough situation, you do find yourselves in situations like this where you're like, I don't know what the answer is at a certain point. Certainly. What are you supposed to do except take it? Yeah. I like how she's calling neil bilbo he- baggins i was it's funny watching it now because i'm like wow that's definitely something that like in 99 or 2000 or whatever i would have no idea what that was a reference to and this is supposed to be 1980 yeah real sick burn really <laughs> was there a lot of bully girls you throwing out lord of the rings references as insults in the i don't 80s? know i'm sure that lord of the rings cartoon movie was maybe around then well, I don't that's know. true okay but yeah Fair. i still don't know that she yeah. would say that but it's still a pretty good burn i did yeah yeah, I would just imagine Sam getting like a big fucking meaty boner at being bullied by a chick. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I feel like a fetish is developing right I think before so. her eyes. I, I would say so, yeah. Rashida this is definitely going to have attractive. lasting. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have a lasting uh, impression on him. Now, what did you think about Rashida Jones's performance in this episode? Do you buy it? Eh, it's a little put on. I never really think that she's like a great actress. I know that she feels a little forced. Evidently popular. I thought she was sort of terrible in yeah. the new Sofia Coppola movie. I'm never gonna down talk her though because her mom was one of the all time greats. Oh yeah, I mean her mom is great, and I think Rashida Jones is very attractive. Absolutely. I just I thought she was always like the weakest link on Parks and Rec. I did. I kind of thought it was that character, but yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, the character was written terribly, but I don't really think she's funny either. Yeah, yeah. Although I did like her on The Office. I thought that was sort of a funny character. Sure. The circumstance. Right. Same name. Yeah, I don't know if I really buy her as a bully, but okay. It's hard, but you know, whatever. She then writes "geek" on Sam's locker in pink lipstick, and Sam's friends, of course, remain frozen in terror, and they're no help. And we finally hit the opening credits. That's little right. Joan Jett to yep. get us in the mood. A rocker. After the credits is the first time we see Lindsay, played by Linda Cardellini, and I'll just say, holy F shit. <laughs> holy You're F period yeah. shit. I think Lindsay is incredible. What a babe. Everybody in high school would have been crazy for this chick. Yeah, well, I mean. She's so nice, number one, and she's gorgeous. But everyone kind of treats her like, not just like a nerd, but I mean, there's certainly an afterthought. Not, yeah, yeah, they're not like celebrating her beauty. I would say, <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the thing. It kind of like perpetuated onto the actress. After this, they're like, oh, oh, this is gonna be our Velma for Scooby Doo. Yeah, is that her biggest thing? The Scooby Doo. Yeah, 
That I feel like Grandma's boy. Well, I, if you're talking about <laughs> money makers, it certainly wasn't Grandma's boy. <laughs> I, that's one of the few movies I've ever walked out of. Okay. Yeah. I just couldn't deal with that, dude. I just could not deal with it. The main guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that's like Adam Sandler's Sanders. buddy, and I, I know yeah. he pops up in Sandler's stuff, and he's fine as like a side, side guy. guy but yeah. I was like, I can't. He can't act, and I can't deal with this. Yeah. It was so bad. And I know that it has like a cult following now, so I'm sure somebody listening to this is like, Jonah what Hill the fuck? What? I think Jonah Hill is in it, too. I know Swartzen's in it. He had like oh, yeah. the one He's line like that made me laugh. But yeah, I was almost embarrassed for her that she was in that. That wasn't even that many years after the Freaks and Geeks, really. It was like 2005 or yeah, 2006 yeah, or something right. like that. Anyway... I mean, she was on Mad Men. Yeah, but like, and not I would as say, like a star. Though. No, no. Well, no, but she had a recurring role. But she seems. I mean, she's a woman on Mad Men. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the years have passed for sure. I don't know what the, is that's a knock at her looks or what? Are no, you no, she looks good, but she just looks like. I mean, it's just like it's twenty years later, basically. Well, she you know? wasn't a Best Picture winner. Yeah, Green Book. That's true. So, something. No, I mean she's had like a, a solid good career. I'm just sure. wondering like what her main known for is. I, I kind of feel like it's Scooby Doo or Freaks and Geeks. or Freaks and Geeks. Kim is still not accepting of Lindsay. We're only four episodes into the show's run. Kim seems to be the one that has the hardest time dealing with it because Lindsay is attractive. She's also a girl. She's a super jealous and protective of Daniel, and she seems to almost have like a control over the group in a way. I don't think. Ken really deals with it, but Nick sort of has to go. He's sort of intimidated by her a little bit. Sure. And Daniel just sort of doesn't want to deal with it. So it is a big obstacle for Lindsay to overcome in order to gain full acceptance into the freaks group. That's right. So she says something bitchy to Lindsay when Lindsay's trying to figure out the story that Kim's talking about, about Karen. So <laughs> Lindsay flees to that other table where she. Oh like, yeah, she's it. had enough of this. Literally, me sitting me. at the table. <laughs> Both the, the world's same joke. Fattest yeah. high schooler just shoveling that food. Into and he's his like, face. someone else is sitting there. This has to be the for this table. The people sitting at the yeah. table. This has to be like the event. No, he just of, says like, it's the their seat, but they're not there today. Oh yeah, yeah, sick. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they're so socially inept that they just have to like say weird stuff. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's. Roy's seat, but he's out sick today. Yeah, yeah. And then she gets her shirt caught on that girl's like dental Oof, thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really headgear. I'm That's not really sure scene. what that is. <laughs> Nick follows her over. Nick wants to say something to Kim. Oh, that's a that is one of these things with the freaks group. It's kind of like they're always sort of like versus each other too. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like there's a lot of infighting in that group. Well, it's mostly because of Kim and then sometimes because of Lindsay. That's true. When yeah. it becomes about the band and, like, Lindsay breaks up the band. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so They're a horrible it, band. You know, so I guess it is, like, life in that way. <laughs> Chicks just yeah. ruining everything. <laughs> Clearly, Nick likes Lindsay. Lindsay likes Daniel. Kim hates Lindsay. Yeah. And that's basically Ken the dynamic of the show. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. As Sam cleans his locker, Neil does a terrible Rod Serling impression. Oh, it's horrible. And I just wrote down real Matt vibes from Neil right now. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like you're doing impressions, but you just can't change your voice at all. <laughs> and just being annoying. I know. And not funny. I like doing an impression of that even if you could do the voice, like no one would recognize or care. 
<laughs> well, in all fairness, maybe if you Sam could do like and a, Bill yeah. would. Oh, care. that's true. Yeah. Although I do like whenever in an early episode Sam does a William Shatner impression and Bill just goes, "Who is that?" Yeah. <laughs> Bill never knows who he's doing, which I think is funny. Right. Right. <laughs> Sam knows, but like hates that he knows, <laughs> which is sort of like me when you just with me drop yeah. in a movie reference, right. and I'm like, I hate that I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Karen confronts Sam for removing her lipstick graffiti, and just the way these three kids, the geeks here, are throwing each other under the bus. Oh, I know. She's talking to you. No, it wasn't me. I didn't say anything. Running away. Oh, right. Oh, panicking. Just yeah. grotesque. A grotesque <laughs> performance from these three. They can't even stay united against a girl. <laughs> it's just at crumbling. The, at the very least, even though if you're like embarrassed, you have to like sort of believe she's probably not going to get physical at, at the very least. So you I don't have to be, run. I, I, well, I think it's at risk. I'm not ready to say that she's not going to get physical. I don't know. My memory of this yeah. episode and then like rewatching it, I always feel like there's that weird moment where she gets like real close to Sam's face and yeah. she's like, What do you want to fight me? or something. I'm always like, Is there some like weird thing where she sort of likes him? Well, there is. I, I mean, it's in an earlier episode where she gets right in his face and is like, Do you want to kiss me? No, that's Kim who does that though. Oh, yeah, yeah. It? Yeah, that is Kim. Yeah, well, I but guess that, that is too. like a very specific type of female on male bullying. Right. <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. But, like, yeah, what if in this episode where, like, Karen is like, getting in his face, where if he did just, like, kiss her? I mean, what would she do then? Hey, that would be weird. I don't know. <laughs> the universe would explode. She says she's going to redo the graffiti, except this time, write it in Geek's blood. And Bill's like, I hope she means your Geek's blood and not mine. <laughs> At least Bill didn't yeah. run away. Oh, Bill was always my favorite character in the initial run. Do you think that Martin Starr has like some great performances? Even in this episode where they spill the acid and he's like, oh, yeah. cover your flesh, cover your flesh. <laughs> and the way he's like putting his arms in his sleeves. Yeah, yeah. That's actually like really funny. We cut to Kim. It's hard to keep Kim and Karen straight for Matt, but yeah, I'm going to try to do my best. Well, two, I mean, 2K names. Two strong, intimidating females. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> You're dizzy yeah. watching this episode. <laughs> we cut to Kim on the payphone screaming at her mom. Well, I mean, to be fair to me, the Kim bullying of Sam is like an ongoing storyline through the episodes that precede this one. Yeah. So much so that like when Lindsay's talking about Kim at home, Sam is just like, she's a psychopath. Yeah, they do interchange almost a little bit, but I think they separate them intentionally to have the redemption arc That's at right. the end. Yeah. The, the misunderstanding, which is actually like, so geniusly written, in my opinion. I'm like, it's such a great thing to have it play out in that certain way. Sure, but we'll sure. get there in a minute. So Kim's screaming at her mom on the phone. I think we all knew people like this that had like just a combative relationship with their parents in high school, which was yeah. completely insane. Yes, I do. And I, <laughs> it's it was always an eye-opening experience. Yeah, and there's always like a special feeling when it's like a chick doing it too yeah because then you're like jesus <laughs> but you always did feel bad i mean obviously everyone has their problems but when you come from a n <laughs> mostly normal background and you're like at somebody's house where it's just scenes yeah all the time and you're like oh my god like holy shit yeah so how's it going what i said how's it going fine i guess 
What are you doing later? I don't know. Meet me after school, okay? We can hang. Okay. Daniel Bale's leaving Lindsay alone with Kim, and you can tell right away that something is amiss. She's being nicer to Lindsay and receptive, and she has this sudden interest in her. And then she says, meet me after school, we can hang, which is something that Kim has never said to Lindsay before. Yeah. Extending an olive branch here. Right. And it feels strange as a viewer. You're like, well, what is the motive here? What's going on? Sam finds Pygmy Geek written on his locker in black marker. Kind of a weird burn. It's a weird burn, but Bill has a great point. Yeah. Where he's like, this will be your nickname. Geek is not specific enough. Anyone would call anyone a geek. That's true. You could be pygmy geek, though. This is not good. <laughs> That's the thing. You this definitely could catch. Yeah, this there's could go definitely viral. certain kids yeah. that had their fucking antennas up all four years of high school, oh, yeah. waiting for moments that they knew were going to be bad, and just like, this could be bad. We yeah. got to get away from this right now. <laughs> you do not want to be pygmy geek for the next four years. <laughs> However, Sam is busted by a teacher trying to scribble over it in another black marker. The teacher thinks it was Sam who had written on his own locker, Big Miggy. <laughs> I love the lack of logic or critical thinking by this teacher. Yeah, I know. Which also makes perfect sense because he's like, who fucking cares? I saw this kid with a marker. He must have written Pygmy Geek right, on his right. own locker. <laughs> it's just like, well, I mean, Sam is holding the marker. Yeah. Which is incriminating. There was one time... I, I must have been in middle school or whatever, but we were, like, <laughs> writing our names in marker on the seats. <laughs> and uh, the bus driver got really upset about it. And it was, I don't know, picking us up from school. Everyone sat down. And the bus driver was like, all right, who was writing their names on the seats? I, I want you to come forward. And, of course, me. I just, like, you know, <laughs> telltale heart, like, all the time. <laughs> And I was just like, it was me. I did it. And I started walking up because she wanted whoever did it to like clean it off. And I was like, it was me. I did it. And she was like, no, you didn't because your name was one of the names written and no one's dumb enough to write their own name. (laughs) (laughs) So it was me. I did write my own name and I didn't have to clean it up. (laughs) Why did the bus driver know your name? I I don't know. (laughs) I had the same one for a couple for, you know, two to three years. Oh, okay. He wants Sam to write an essay by tomorrow, 500 words, which seems insane. What a punishment. But then he goes, the to- <laughs> the topic is why vandalism, why the property of school should be respected, and why we should respect it. <laughs> which what an is essay the same this would be. Twice, thing, twice. I can't say, when I was growing up and would watch shows about high school, I was so afraid of high school because of shit like this. I'm like, they could just make you do this? And, like, detention. Basically, it seemed like people were getting detention all the time. Yeah. Like, on shows. That seems like the worst thing in the world. I'd have to stay after school. <laughs> yeah. Fear-mongering. These shows, I tell you. What are you doing later? What? Do you want to come over to my house for dinner? Uh... Did Nick say something to you? What do you mean? Did Nick tell you to be nice to me? Well, yeah. You know, I just figured, since we have to see each other anyways all the time, we may as well try to get along. 
So do you want to come over to my house or not? I don't know. You know what? Fine. Just forget it. You know, I tried. Kim. Yeah? My parents are jerks. They love to kill my buzz, but afterwards we can ditch him and, I don't know, go catch a movie or something. Okay. All right. I'll pick you up at your house at 5.30. Okay. Kim invites a suspicious Lindsay to her house for dinner. Linz assumes it's because of Nick and something that he said to Kim. I do like that Lindsay is just so hesitant at one point. She's just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what an answer. Do you want to come to my house for dinner? I don't know. Yeah. You understand why she'd be suspicious, though. Oh, yeah. But she eventually agrees. And Lindsay accepting this invitation then leads to some tension at home with her mother, played by Becky Ann Baker, who was also Lena Dunham's mom. That's right. Yeah. On Girls. And Sam. Sam is now living in terror, and he's desperately trying to carbo-load to get bigger because of Karen, but he's sort of putting Karen's actions together with Kim and then Kim's yeah. previous actions, and he's like, Kim Kelly is a psycho. Such a weird, like, B story that he's eating all of this food <laughs> to try to, like, bulk up. Although that was the great thing. I mean, you could just house, like, so much pizza at this yeah. age. And I could not gain weight. Yeah. For the longest time. I was so skinny. I was basically like Sam. It was just sad. Except I was way taller. <laughs> but my body was like basically the same. <laughs> I didn't go through puberty till I was twenty-eight. <laughs> Girls were like taking off your shirt to prove you didn't have any armpit hair. <laughs> oh man. It is wild that he doesn't have armpit hair in high school. I will say that. Yeah. Because I remember having it and most of the kids in because we had to fucking take swimming in middle school. Oh yeah. In middle school. And I remember not having it in sixth grade and seeing like I some... was like born with it. Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually thinking that watching this episode, yeah. Matt had fucking chest hair in like third grade, which <laughs> is disgusting. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I had like armpit hair until like maybe seventh grade. But like sixth grade, there were some dudes that had it in in swimming, and I was like, oh my god, that's vile. <laughs> <laughs> And I still kind of think that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, body hair is gross. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 14. I guess we have all the hormones and milk now, and pe- people yeah, just life has changed. go through puberty faster. But it does seem weird that he's in high school and doesn't have it. I would agree. I will say that. Yes. But, you know, no judgment for those of you no, out no. there. I'm just, in my personal experience, I just remember. I remember feeling the same exact storyline, but I was in sixth grade. Yeah. Not in high school, but okay. Sure. Lindsay waits by the curb, and Sam is taking out the trash, and <laughs> Lindsay's like, maybe you are a geek, and then immediately feels bad. I love their <laughs> yeah. dynamic where she'll like get frustrated with him and then has to immediately... Well, yeah, I know. Change it's her just, tune. It's, you feel, he's low-hanging fruit. You feel bad. <laughs> because he is such a geek. Yeah, really. Just sitting in his room doing, like, Steve Martin and oh, yeah. impressions and stuff. It's like, oh, God. It is constantly, like, walking on eggshells with this kid. He's constantly having a meltdown about oh, yeah. something. He can certainly get upset easily. And then when Kim, like, pulls up, his walk back to the house, did you notice that? Mm, I don't know if I or He, he oh, was, yeah. like, waving his arms. I'm, like, imitating it here for Matt, <laughs> yeah. but it's... It's not a good walk. No, no. You're not looking Especially at if you're a pygmy geek with no pit hair. You don't see that walk and you're like, oh, that's a cool guy. No. 
<laughs> this is my mad walk. <laughs> I'm mad that girls were mean to me. <laughs> oh, man, he should get some counseling from you yeah, on how really. to handle girls being mean to me. <laughs> Takes years of therapy. Everything about this setup to the big dinner at Kim's house is incredible. It's so perfect. It's hilarious. Her revealing in bits and details like what is about to happen. Oh, yeah. Lindsay's so off guard for this. My parents are completely mental. And Lindsay's just like, oh, yeah, you know, no, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> They're right. insane. And then just sort of like out of nowhere being like, oh, yeah, I tell my parents that we hang out all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ulterior motives going on. First of all, they want to sell Kim's gremlin, her car. So she wants to prove that she has decent, responsible friends, unlike Daniel and Karen and all of the other people. She's already been talking up Lindsay and using Lindsay as a cover story for when she's doing other stuff. So she wants Lindsay to come and sort of smooth everything over so she won't have to sell the car. I mean, all of this is being yeah. revealed to Lindsay in like five seconds as they're getting out of the car. I know. It's such a weird thing, too. Like, and I, I do feel like there's a lot of realness here that like these things happen but like i, I didn't oh i know things like no this i know that's what i mean like i i didn't realize this i feel like i've been in the Lindsay position <laughs> but didn't realize that people put schemes in place like this until i was like 30 years old like i think i was like roped into these types of things for different reasons well at different times yeah but. i think like the actual like payoff of like bringing the person around and then like springing them on it you know like just that whole thing seems like constructed more for TV as if it's just like so neatly done. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing of like using either a like real a person or even like a plan. fictionalized person yeah. or some ma imaginary thing to use as like your cover story. Yeah, that stuff definitely happens. Oh, yeah. For sure. My mother's going to be pressing you for information. Just follow my lead. Oh, and by the way, I spend the night at your house every Friday night. And last weekend, we went up to your vacation house in Benton Harbor and went water skiing. Wait, what? Kim has been telling her parents that they spend weekends in a place called Benton Harbor, which I don't really even know what that is, but I'm assuming it's some sort of like a, a lake, lakefront area, area yeah. that Lindsay's family has a vacation home or something. That's right. The dinner itself, hilarious. <laughs> chef's it's kiss scene here yeah just perfect it's completely bonkers in a way because yeah. they're in that house that's like in the middle of these renovations mike white laying on the couch well yeah there's the whole like situation with him is like pretty dark they kind of like gloss over it and she's like joking about what happened to him but it seems like pretty fucked up actually yeah like yeah, the, the whole sure. thing of them like the result of it is fucked up yeah. i don't know if her her story about why this happened to him is really well yeah. i don't think he was really just minding his business as she said <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she goes he was minding his business being drunk or something. yeah right 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 i know but this is the fact that she's so casually like i think he has brain damage i mean he just has basically been laying on the couch since this incident and he never parties <laughs> she like talks like she's in the stone age right <laughs> we got the schnapster <laughs> So yeah, you have Mike White, her brother, on the couch, and her mom's like quiet or awake chip at one point. <laughs> They're in the middle of remodeling. Everyone starts yelling at oh, everyone. Yeah. I've been in some of these homes before. A remodel project that's been going on end. for like 15 years. <laughs> There's still this wrapper hanging from the walls. And then 
this guy who's not even her dad is just like I don't know if it's even supposed to be her stepfather or just her mom's boyfriend. This just this dude and Kim making comments like I at least I can read. Oh yeah. And it's like infuriating to him, which implies that he can't read, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> And then, of course, Kim's house of cards that she built over all this time just starts collapsing, That's which right. leads to this whole thing, people flipping out. And this is, I think, what NBC deemed too dark because there is sort of an implication of potential physical violence here. We're like, what is this dude doing? Why is he getting involved? It's certainly just not a good home situation for Kim. The two of them, Lindsay, of course, has been freaking out. She doesn't know what to do. The House of Cards basically collapses because Lindsay can't keep up with the lie because she doesn't know Benton a Harbor. real street yeah. in Benton Harbor to say that the house is on. So then they escape. They're running out of the house. Lindsay gets into the car. The stepfather guy is like I, trying to get into the car. It's sort of almost like a horror movie. I know. For it a does minute. seem nuts. Going back to the dinner scene real quick, did cross my mind. I'm like, Kim's mom is intentionally walking Lindsay down this line of questioning to like, catch this trap yeah, which yeah. like you don't realize at first right you know it's but it just plays out because once she catches her in this you can't name a street it immediately turns into i knew it <laughs> kim you fucking liar well i'm sure kim has told a lot of lies yeah 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 you know <laughs> right so yeah they have to make this car get away yeah, everybody's screaming. It it turns into this whole thing. Kim gets into the car. They're driving away. This car is important to her because her aunt, who died of a cocaine overdose, gave it to her, who also had sex with Ryan O'Neal, apparently. Oh, yeah. A lot okay. of like Famously. references coming yeah. in. Right. <laughs> Left and right. I think the idea is that like Lindsay would be pissed that she was used for this, but then immediately sort of like forgives Kim and feels bad because, because it's they drive such a scene. They drive away from one incident and into another. <laughs> yeah, I will say, as mentioned, I don't really consider myself like a big Busy Phillips fan or anything, but her performance in this episode oh, yeah. is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Just especially with what happens next when we get to it. But first we check in with Sam not taking to the essay very well. No. So furious, which he should be. Sam and Neil argue over who is the bigger geek. You alluded to this earlier. I cannot believe first. I mean, Sam, okay, fine. Neil might be the biggest geek of all time. Yeah. Insane. Now, you know, Neil is putting pressure on Bill quietly behind Sam's back, basically like, <laughs> don't pick me. Yeah, they get into like a little bit of a physical altercation. I know where... Sam's fury is coming from it's the whole thing with why people bully in the first place usually they're like abused somewhere either by their parents or their older brother or somebody yeah, yeah. then they take it out their rage on someone smaller than them and so Sam has all this rage that he can't do anything with because of what happened with Karen yeah and it's so humiliating that he's just like a time bomb I know but it's just like so sad what he can do. They basically are like hug fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be dark if he just like took Decked like a, <laughs> took like a trophy or something and just smashed him in the face like with teeth it. Teeth go flying out. It's like fucking girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> yeah, <his> jaw. <laughs> Neil's jaw is like barely hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay and Kim look for Daniel at the park, and they discover him getting a little extra friendly with Karen. In what is such a weird 
I, I know. I love that Nick and Daniel were just like, hey, Karen, you want to go shoot hoops with us? It doesn't seem like Daniel's shooting much, much no, hoops No, I know, here. but I, I'm trying to think of how they got into this scenario. Nick's thrown down on the court. So all we really see is Karen sucking on Daniel's thumb or finger or something. Yeah, that's a weird it's sort thing. of a gross thing. I, I'd say so. And sort of provocative, too. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the real reason. They were like, we can't air this smut. I'm just wondering why they did they want to do something that was still like up to interpretation? Like if obviously if they're like full on making out, then it seems so crazy that Kim would be able to forgive him in the same episode. Yeah. But is it is there just enough plausible deniability? Even though to me it seems way more intimate than kissing. I think but so. It's so it, feels, weird. it feels over the line, I'd say. It's weird, but can it be like explained away enough where you're just like nothing happened or whatever, but I don't know. Well, it is, so I guess so, but <laughs> I know it seems suspect if I can't I'm just upon wondering the scene. why this was the choice. Yeah. Why did they stage it with this at, rather than just kissing or something? I couldn't tell you. I'm sure Rashida Jones was thrilled about sucking on James Franco's finger. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to do. Yeah, I know. Kim goes into total meltdown mode. She's screaming, driving the car over the grass, trying to hit them with the car, pounding on the steering wheel. General insanity here. Just completely over the top. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I agree. So the two of them retreat back to Lindsay's house, and almost immediately, Kim is like already justifying Daniel's involvement. And this does turn... I mean, we we now have sort of like a weepy Kim for an extended period of time. Right. You know, it's like a lot of emotions at the dinner table. She's making herself part of the weird family at this point. Well, first of all, I think it's an endless cycle because she's already like, well, Daniel's just really a nice guy and he's super foxy or whatever. Whatever Whatever she says, he's a total babe. She's already like trying to like minimalize Daniel's part in it, like working herself up to forgiving him. But Kim is starving, and so then they sit down for the Weir family dinner with an overly emotional Kim. I have a feeling that she wears her emotions on her sleeve all the time. I think so. So this is the first time we as viewers have seen her like crying, but I wouldn't necessarily mistake crying for vulnerability. I think it's all part of her There's pushing a, the a envelope scheme. with her emotions yeah. all the time, just constantly at a 10. I agree. And no yeah. one can quite like live up to that level. Right, right. <laughs> She's always, always the loudest person in the room. Yes. The weird father figure played by the great Joe Flaherty oh, of yeah. SCTV fame. He's got his hands full with this family. They're having a real home-cooked meal, likely a rarity for Kim, who is still crying at this point. She's trying to talk to Mr. Weir. She's like, why do guys only want sex? You can tell that this is sort of the type of conversation that's He doesn't really want to have. Well, yeah. not, well the no one at the table yeah. is used to having out loud. <laughs> Kim's mother calls and talks to Lindsay's mom, lumping Lindsay into Kim's wild behavior. Meanwhile, of course, Lindsay had no idea what was going on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Plus, Kim's mom is insane and sort of painting a pretty negative picture. That's right. Maybe an unbelievable one because of how insane she is. Yeah, I mean, I think she was going crazy because she was saying that Lindsay was sleeping with boys or something, remember? Yeah, right, and Mrs. Weir's starting to be like, "Eh, I don't know if I really buy all this. So now Lindsay's mom is upset, but she pretty much melts when Kim comes in and shows gratitude and appreciation for the dinner and hospitality. This feels like a manipulation. 
Oh, you're saying that was in- intentional? I don't I, think so. I don't know. It almost feels like no. <laughs> she was coming in to de-escalate a situation. I don't know. You're taking like a very cynical approach. Okay, I do I think that Kim. I'll, I'll I think that Kim is like approach. a little bit of a decent person. I think I, so. I think that's real. That's the thing with people like Kim in high school when they come from situations like the one she's from. Like they never have like. I do think it's hilarious. This is sort of a sidetrack, but I always think it's hilarious in these type of shows that like the ultimate in trash depiction is a bucket of fried chicken. Yes. Like that's what your dinner. <laughs> Meanwhile, if I would have gotten a bucket of fried chicken in high school, I would have been like over the moon. Oh, I'd be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cause usually I was like fucking Rawls and blue Valentine. <laughs> you know, we gotta eat this shit. <laughs> just so mad every night (laughs) but that's that's number one and number two like obviously the idea is that kim has like never had a normal family or a normal dinner or a normal life and i i don't know i buy it no i do too we can agree to disagree no it's fine i don't really know you're like she's a conniving bitch everything she does is a manipulation i I, I have to say i was well i was so off put by the original car conversation and finding out why Lindsay's really here and coming to dinner, then I'm just like, everything is a fucking scheme with this one. Well, yeah, that's true. Nick shows up at the Weir's front door trying to act as an intermediary between Kim and Daniel, who's outside waiting in a car. Yeah, this was always a fun role to play. Yeah. Especially, I love the idea that Lindsay's parents are just present and witnessing all of this. I know. Because Especially- that also felt so real where someone, <laughs> some random people are tied in with your drama now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. But I, I also love that Nick is just like putting it out there. It's like, well, if you don't come outside and talk to him, he's going to come in here. <laughs> We're family. Nothing you can say is going to stop that. The entire We're family gets sucked into their drama. Kim balks. Even after Lindsay's parents both suggest at least going out to talk to Daniel, and then she retreats further into the house, ending up in Sam's room of all places. His friends have now left. Their fight is sort of over for the time being, and he, of course, is horrified because this older, intimidating girl is all of a sudden barging into his bedroom, a girl that's been terrorizing him for months. I know. That would be weird. Yes, yes. (laughs) But the funny part is... When Lindsay asks Kim, could you, you know, leave my brother alone? And Kim's just sort of like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting he's your little brother. He just looks like all the other geeks. It, like, so not even, like, a thing in right, her right. mind. And then when she comes into his room, she's just so tied up in her own thing. Doesn't even really acknowledge his existence that much. Yeah. And yet for Sam, it's like, wow, this is earth shattering yeah like the end of the world is happening right now and (laughs) and can't even deal with it (laughs) he's flipping out accusing her of writing geek on his locker she's like no that was karen who obviously she's pissed at now so he's going on and on about how he feels plus the essay and she's not really paying any attention but then she's just like look she's dead okay yeah i know (laughs) she's not even gonna be alive right right don't worry about her and I like how she just goes on and on. She's like, I'm going to break both of her arms. And Sam's like, really? Then I'm going to take a pair of pliers. I'm going to pull out all of her teeth. Oh and then I'm going to set her hair on fire. And then Sam's just like, well, don't hurt her too bad. Yeah. 
And he thinks that she's saying this all because of what Karen did to him. Oh, yeah. So now he doesn't even know what's going right, right. on. <laughs> this has to be even more confusing. But boy, this girl is a ball of rage. It's hilarious, and it's almost like a wholesome misunderstanding where you're like, oh, that's sort of sweet. He thinks that she's <laughs> yeah. going to beat up this other girl for him. <laughs> Out of nowhere, Nick is now in the house. He's giving Lindsay a shoulder massage, which is almost as creepy as when he tried to take her bra off. Everything that two. he does. I don't know. Jason Siegel, he's got this part down. Because <laughs> everything that Nick just does a is gangly so, creep. Yeah, and it just like it makes your skin crawl. Like everything he does. <laughs> Oof. How much of a cringe douche chill fest is it when he does like the drum stuff I and know. Then he auditions for, for that, that band? band that, and she like encourages him to do oh. it. Even though like the other people in his like Daniel and fucking what's up, Rogan? They know that he sucks. Goldberg is in their band. Oh too, yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> She, like, encourages him to try out, and it's just, like, everyone is embarrassed for him. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, Nick is a rough character. His dad is fucking Tillman from Roadhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an an embarrassing enough quality. (laughs) He's making him go into the army, which, frankly, he probably should. Yeah, really. He has zero skills. Or appeal to a society. Dumb as a rock. (laughs) Appeal to society. He can't drum we or shit. We don't need him for anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Daniel comes in through the back door, freaking out Mrs. Weir. Kim appears, and then they have it out in front of Nick, Lindsay, and Lindsay's parents in another hilarious scene, which you alluded to, where she's slapping well, him over I and over I actually found again. this to be kind of intense for a mostly light show. <laughs> Lady, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm, I'm just looking for my girlfriend. Mom? Hey, Lindsay, the, the door was open. Who's so... this punk? Uh, Dad, this is Daniel. He's a friend of mine from school. Jeez, kid, you ever hear of a doorbell? People do have heart attacks, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Pops. Where's Kim? She doesn't want to see you. That's right. So why don't you get the hell out of here? Hey, will you let me explain? Explain what? That I hate you? Hey, I didn't do nothing. Oh, you didn't do anything. I'm sorry, that must have been somebody else. Will you just calm down and not be a bitch for one second? What did you call me? What did you call me? Huh? I said calm down, okay? Just I saw her sucking on your finger, Daniel. What else is she sucked on, huh? Are you high right now? No, I am not high. Just don't, you know? Just, Just don't lie to me. I'm not lying. Yeah, they're going like full on where it seems like she's hitting him for real. Yeah. And she might be. There are a couple where it seems like she's sort of pulling it a little bit. But yeah. There's a couple where it feels like she's landing him. 
And yeah, it seems pretty intense. To continue a theme from last episode, it's like very marriage story. <laughs> yeah, or or very blue Valentine. I mean, it's just it's yeah an emotional breakdown in a kitchen. But she ultimately forgives him and then they make up and then all of a sudden they're full on making out just in the weird kitchen yeah you can remember relationships like this in in high school and then for years after high school (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of intensity uh, in this time period not so much after high school really but well that's not true (laughs) (laughs) just screaming in the streets all in all, a pretty wild night for the usually quiet and conservative Weir family in their house. I'd say so. Usually it seems like everyone would be on that really cool couch that they have, which I, I mean, think is awesome. Yeah, wouldn't you be like, if you were Lindsay's parents, be like, remember when you used to hang out with Millie? When Where's I- Millie yeah. been? <laughs> I do think that they say that at yeah, one point. Yeah, I know. Millie does make an appearance in this episode where she talks about hearing that Kim like has sex in the yearbook oh, darkroom. Oh, that's room, right, yeah. Which Lindsay denies, but I was like... I don't know. Probably true. Yeah, it feels like it. (laughs) Oh, poor Millie. The next day, Sam and Neil make up too. Then they start making out just as passionately. (laughs) Sam hands in his essay, and the teacher who assigned it wants to pin it on Sam's locker, but he ends up tossing it in disgust when he sees slut spray-painted in giant white letters on Karen's locker. So he's just like, you guys want to live in filth? Live in filth? I'd be like, why did I write this essay, though? Oh, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't have ever turned in that essay. I'd be like, no. Uh, what is this guy going to do? It's not for a grade. So right, right. Fuck that. <laughs> Are you going to suspend he does thre- He threatened him with something, but it didn't even... Yeah. It seemed less terrible than it having to write to that essay. Threat. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Sam. You going to class? Yeah. Hey, Sam, where? Where's my essay? Okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna post this on your locker so that everyone in McKinley can learn from your little mistake. All right, I give up. If your kids wanna live in trash, that's fine by me. Did you do this? I did it. Because you are a slut. Slut? Hey, he hit on me. Oh, yeah? Well, after school, I'm going to hit on you. See you then. Bye. Hey, Kim, thanks. That was really cool. No problem, G. Karen accuses Sam of doing it, but then Kim shows up from around the corner claiming responsibility. That's actually like pretty great how she just comes flying around that corner. It was me. Right. <laughs> I think Karen says, he was hitting on me. And Kim's like, after school, I'm going to be hitting on you. Oh, man. So a beatdown has been arranged. That's right. And Sam is very thankful. I will say, like, if I was a high school girl and Kim Kelly was coming after me I'd be i think shaking. i'd be transferring to another school yeah. she is a giant yeah i know girl she's intimidating just so scary and she looks like she could beat ass I mean, i'd there's say no so. question about that's it. right and it's it feels like there's a lot of unpredictability there 
You don't know how far she's going to go. Girl fights in high school were the best. Yeah. Let's I be remember honest. One and they were was... trying to rip each other's shirts off, and we all won on those days. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one, and it was pretty brutal. It was not... Oh, we're grabbing each other's hair and throwing each other. They were punching each other in the face, and it was pretty funny. Oh, up. yeah. Well, in middle school, one of the most brutal fights that ever happened was a girl fight that involved a lock. Wow. Yeah. You know, like from a locker. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing it. Yeah, that girl didn't go to our school anymore. Yeah, really. That. that was wild. Wow. The other girl was, like, bleeding. I mean, Good it was. Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, the girls could be tough. I'd say so. At times. Yeah, I've seen it. And I would say that Kim Kelly, I would not mess with her. No. So, of course, Sam thinks that she's done this for him. And she even sort of just like, no problem, geek, or whatever, and then like takes off. It's like, and then just like that, she was gone. Just walking down the hall, and he's just like basking in it. Because his friends seem to think, you know, they don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, really. Like, did she just stick up for you? Like, what's happening right now? And that'll do it for our episode. That ends it. Things would thaw between Kim and Lindsay a little bit, although there was still always like a little bit of tension. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lindsay's although pining I think, after Kim's boyfriend. So. I think everyone had tension with Kim at some point. Uh, sure. That's yeah. just part of the There's show. There's just a tension when she's around. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to rewatch the whole series yet. I do think that I probably will still continue to watch yeah. a few episodes. It's always fun to jump back in to Freaks and Geeks after a few years, refresh. For whatever reason, it's a show that I've watched every episode of several times, yet when I restart it, I feel like I never remember any yeah, of I it. Yeah, I know. Which seems like I'm, that's a bad thing, but in a way, it's great. Because, yeah. And then you can always just come back to well, it. Well, yeah, and part of like the stories not being that memorable is because they do just feel so slice of life. Yeah. It's not like life or death dramatic. It's just right, right. your daily high school bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> which is some of the wildest things that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were meant to start recording at 8 o'clock. We didn't start until <laughs> 10.24 at yeah, night really. because we were going down some memory lanes. Yeah, it's always fun. <laughs> always fun to kick that up. We might need to start doing, like, give us the seconds just based on, like, those memories. Those, yeah, th- I don't Because know. we don't have any other topics for give us the seconds <laughs> some of that anymore. that stuff is just better for... Well, some favorite, of that but... stuff would not make the cut. <laughs> But, you know, what can you do? Right. All right. So before we check out and sign off, let's do a little uh, recommendation. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. My first is my favorite movie of 2020. I just rented it recently. Oh. After hearing positive things, I think a lot of people are just discovering it. And then a lot of times when you discover something after the fact that not a lot of people know about, everyone acts like it's so great. So maybe I'm falling into that category. But I know it had the biggest laugh of the year for me. Oh. And it also was a good movie. It's called The Kid Detective, starring okay. Adam Brody. Blu ray showed up here tonight. Yeah, I rented it and immediately bought the Blu ray. I thought it was great. It's about a kid private eye who has now grown up and sort of fallen out of favor in the town. He's sort of down on his luck. It's basically like a modern noir story. There's a mystery. He's sort of a guy who's supposed to be in his early 30s who's sort of stuck in 
the past hasn't yeah. really grown up and then he gets involved with a serious case that ties in with his past and it sort of forces him to grow up it does sound like my kind of movie it walks uh, a very fine line jumping between different genres like i said I, it had some great laughs in it but then it also turns serious but it, it's not clumsy it, it feels earned by the time you get to it you don't feel like it's weird that it's gotten serious or anything like that adam brody is really like the only super recognizable person in it i knew a couple of the other people but they're not like big stars or anything right like right. Catherine from veep is in it oh yeah you know people like that but yeah, I loved The Kid Detective. I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd, and it was probably my favorite movie I've seen of 2020. So check oh, wow. that out. Okay. You can stream it for cheap now. It's like $6.99. I'm sure it'll be $3.99 pretty soon or whatever. Right. And I'm sure it'll probably pop up on Hulu or Netflix or something okay. pretty soon. Keep an eye open for it. Okay, so uh, my recommendation this week, unfortunately I don't have a ton of new material ever. I think the only movies I watched from 2020 were uh, Palm Springs and Promising Young Woman. So still just watching old movies on streaming all the time. But this week, and I think this is the third time I've recommended a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but Phantom Thread streaming on HBO Max. This was the first time I watched it since the theater. Loved it the year it came out. I think it was 2017. One of the great directors, such a master of mood and able to slide in and out of tone. But I mean, it's just such a actually hilarious movie. It's like yeah, there's so many good parts in it. Uh, obviously, like uh, incredible acting by Daniel Day Lewis. But I, I put in my letterbox thing only Paul Thomas Anderson can make a movie about a guy like who makes dresses cool. But it is. It's fucking cool. Yeah, it's one of those movies that it seems to all be building towards a punchline. That's right. Where yeah. you also like you get it at the end, and it it's a pretty funny and good payoff. Yeah, but it, it looks incredible. It is very funny. I, I do think it does function mostly as a comedy, which... Oh, yeah. It's sort of a a non-typical comedy. Sure, for and, sure. But Offbeat. I do think that that's sort of what it's supposed to be going for, yeah. which I think does confuse probably some viewers. But we will get to more sure. PTA on the yeah, show yeah. at some point. I think we've only ever done Inherent Vice and Boogie Nights, right? There's just some parts in it where Alma, the girl that he's like courting or dating or whatever is so obnoxiously loud the way that she was like like eating right and he is just like so <laughs> visibly upset by it boy can i relate to that so yeah i actually had three but i'll save one for next time because i've just been watching like stuff non-stop of course follow us on letterboxd zach 1983 matt crosby yeah, yeah. check it out non-stop movie watching all day every day Another recent release put out on HBO Max. I don't know if this is eligible for the awards season. I assume that it is since everything is pushed back this year. little picture called Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, yeah. I've seen this up there. Starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, even Lil Ray. or Was that his name? The other guy from Get Out. Oh, yeah. He's also in it, although not really a big part. It's a true story, I guess, or adapted from a, a true story about the Black Panther movement in the late 60s into the 70s happening in Chicago. I don't want to really get into it too much. It's real people 
about a, a guy who infiltrates the group and is also working for the FBI at the same time and is an informant and essentially betrays the guy who he's earned his trust and everything. It's it's a powerhouse performance from Kaluuya for sure. I would not be shocked if he won Best Actor. I don't know. He is good. I don't know what exactly Chadwick Boseman is eligible for, if, if it's actor or supporting. I think he might be actor, so I don't know. That seems like, you know, he might get, like, the the posthumous award. But Kaluuya is unbelievable in the movie. Lakeith Stanfield is really good, too. Jesse Plemons is in it as well. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Who was just cast to be in that Killers of the Flower Moon with De Niro and DiCaprio. That's right. Which DiCaprio was going to be the lead, but now he's not going to be the lead, and now it's going to be Plemons. Oh, wow. But DiCaprio's still going to be in it. Okay. Well, I'm sure that was DiCaprio's choice to not be the lead. Yeah, Kaluuya plays a guy named Fred Hampton, who was like sort of a leader in the party, the uh, Black Panther Party at the time. Yeah, it's it's just sort of a cool historical movie. It's one of those things where you hear some people say that it's not entirely accurate and some of the stuff is very fictionalized, but I mean, who knows? It, it's very engaging, and for this style of movie, which almost feels like in the neighborhood of a biopic, but not really, I guess... Yeah. But it it's really good and powerful and I would recommend checking it out. All right. Well do. I do enjoy HBO Max, so So follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Send us Sticker requests. Sticker requests, listener requests, everything else. Follow us on Letterboxd. And we appreciate you listening so much. It really? means everything to us that anyone even gives a fuck about this. <laughs> the very few of you that do. <laughs> yeah. The loyal Ask Clown community, we thank you. We'll talk to you real soon.
about this stupid election. We all know it doesn't matter who gets elected president of Carver. Do you really think it's going to change anything around here? Make one single person smarter or happier or nicer? The only person it does matter to is the one who gets elected. The same pathetic charade happens every year, and everyone makes the same pathetic promises just so they can put it on their transcripts to get into college. So vote for me, because I don't even want to go to college, and I don't care. And as president, I won't do anything. The only promise I will make is that, if elected, I will immediately dismantle the student government so that none of us will ever have to sit through one of these stupid assemblies again.